0: Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 344. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is Valerie George. Hello, Valerie. Hi, Perry. It's good to see you. On today's show, we got a few questions. Uh, Does mineral sunscreen prevent hyperpigmentation better than standard sunscreen? What do we think of the Blue Land products and what do we think of One Skin products? And finally, when are there too many ingredients in a product? But Valerie, first some of our chit-chat.
1: What's been going on with you this week, Perry?
0: Well, you know what I got going on just today, I'm catching cats.
1: What's happening? Are there more kitties?
0: Yeah, the neighbors the neighbor feral cat had four kittens. Wow. So then I'm like, okay, we got to stop these kids cuz there's like 12 cats now. So so I got cages and I've already caught two. Uh they're they're sitting in my basement and I'm going to take them to get fixed tomorrow.
1: Oh, are they friendly uh, to you?
0: Uh these ones are way feral, so no, they're not friendly at all. I still got to catch two of my friendly ones. Uh but they are a little brighter. They don't just go into the cages, so
1: Oh, so these would be more of like a catch and release scenario.
0: Oh, yeah, they're all catch. So you, the thing you do is uh, they they call it TNR, trap, neuter, and release. So you catch them. uh, If they can be adopted, sometimes they'll they'll keep them. But usually they catch them, they clip their ear after they neuter or spayed them, and then we let them go right where we got them. So um, you try to minimize the stress.
1: Yeah, that's true. Dogs uh, don't get their ears clipped. Uh, I mean, well, they're not TNR. They're usually uh, homed. Dogs might be with someone, but they get a little blue tattoo on their belly.
0: Oh, really? That, yeah, both Butch you know. and
1: Frank have blue tattoos. Yep.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. So if you ever see a cat with a clipped one, one ear is clipped. That means it's already been spayed or neutered. That way.
1: Or it got into a fight.
0: Right. well usually well if you see I mean they do it sort of a, a distinctive way and so or or it could have got in a fight yeah all right speaking of fight let's get into some beauty science news
1: I saw a really cool article from Virginia Tech that they are creating soap from plastic waste
0: really so they just what take plastic melt it down and somehow turn it into soap
1: uh, yeah, the method they heat long carbon chains in plastics, then quickly cool them and it forms some kind of soap. But I have a lot of questions. Uh,
0: yeah, like if this if, if plastic is this easy to turn into soap, why don't we just do it with everything?
1: Yeah, and what uh, what are the byproducts from this heat production process? Usually when you heat plastics, there's some byproducts that you know are not too good.
0: Yeah, because that's all like the additives that you put to the plastics because, you know, the polymers are pretty good on themselves, but you have to, if you want them to be moldable and shapeable and have a certain rigidity, you have to add extra chemicals. That's where something like BPA goes into your plastics. I mean, there's a reason the ingredient is in there. It's not just in there to scare people to death, because but it actually has a function.
1: Yeah, I really do like what they're doing, though, because maybe this isn't viable. It did create a really catchy headline. It could pave the way for some future recycling processes, and it could pave the way for someone else to get a really bright idea.
0: Yeah, this is kind of in line with what they call uh, upcycling, right? You take something that's already been used and you turn it into something more valuable, I guess.
1: Well, it's interesting that this article came out in the same week that Lego has announced that they're actually not going to make Legos out of recycled plastic.
0: Really? Yeah, Um, they
1: did an analysis and determined that it actually creates more of a carbon footprint to recycle plastic into Legos.
0: Well, wow. So they're just going to keep going with the virgin plastic, I guess.
1: Well, it's supposed to be better for the environment according to the metrics that they ran. Uh, So... Anyway, well, this, you know, I think this article is very cool about what these students did with the soap. uh, But, you know, I still think there's a lot to be taken into consideration here.
0: I wonder if you make a soap bar out of little Lego pieces, if you can react it like this and turn it into actual soap.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. Gosh, I feel like I was such a positive Polly and a Debbie Downer in the same same news article.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's good to see somebody doing something with plastic. I think plastic is the big problem of our age, although we got plenty of big problems of our age, so uh, that's just one.
1: It is one of the biggest, though.
0: I know. What can we do about plastic? There's there's not much um, because it works so well. Oh, boy. Well,
1: <laughs> Tough, complex issue.
0: Indeed, You know, another tough, complex issue is uh, animal testing.
1: Oh, really? And
0: it turns out there's movement afoot in the United States to uh, ban animal testing. Now... In cosmetics. In cosmetics, right. Um, Loophole. It's called, right, right. It's called the Humane Cosmetics Act. It was introduced to the U.S. House of Representatives uh, this year. And it was, interestingly, it was introduced by people of both parties, Republicans and Democrats, which usually doesn't happen.
1: Not (laughs) at all.
0: But they've been working on this uh, legislation since 2015, and I think it's going to, they're going to try to mirror what happens in the EU. Uh, So the idea is to, you know, protect animals from unnecessary testing, uh, banning the production of sale of animal tested cosmetics uh, yeah well you know it's most companies are not testing on animals anyway yeah i was going to so... ask
1: if you think it would make a difference i don't yeah
0: i i don't think it'll make a difference uh, and the truth is like you were saying there's there's going to be loopholes here just like there's loopholes in europe because there's still while Europe has banned animal testing, there's still animal testing done on chemicals. They have a whole uh, thing called uh, a reach. Uh, reach, reach process where one of the requirements is reach is that you have to demonstrate safety of your products using uh, animal testing. They also have a loophole of pharmaceutical industry where the pharmaceutical industry can still do animal testing. And if an ingredient is used in a pharmaceutical you could use that same ingredient out in cosmetics. So that's kind of another loophole there.
1: Animal testing, you know, can be replaced by a lot of different testing methodologies. But one of the aspects you can't replace with animal testing is reproductive toxicity. It's very difficult to do because you need generational testing. And the only thing you get generations out of that's uh, translatable and meaningful uh, to humans is, um, you know, which could be debatable, which is animal testing and so part of the world is asking for innovations in cosmetics but i don't think they realize all of the necessary uh, things that have to be done when taking into consideration a new chemistry
0: yeah absolutely i think the movement to get away from animal testing is great but I think also it's disingenuous when some brands are pretending that they're cruelty free when they're still using plant derived ingredients, which kills a lot of animals. And they're using ingredients that were, <laughs> I know,
1: the field in the tractor.
0: Right. But they're also using ingredients that were tested on animals uh, a number of years ago by some other company. But they're somehow claiming that they're holier. Wholly- Oh, I, I don't Every know. Every
1: hair colorant yeah. in the world has been animal tested. Right. Copiously, so. and we needed that for safety. Right. So. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know what? We we don't need uh, trends from TikTok, <laughs> but they are But we
1: have them. We have one.
0: I know. They're they're always poking their uh, heads up or affecting the beauty industry, and this one I saw uh, comes from Uh, is a response by a brand called Olaplex. You know Olaplex, right?
1: I I know a little bit about them.
0: Well, they managed to go viral for uh, secretly launching a fictitious product called Oladupe on TikTok. They were trying to, uh, I guess on TikTok, there's a whole uh, culture of duping products. Duping just means, I guess, you copy it and make the product yourself. Yeah. Well, Olaplex uh, turns out they ha- they had this idea. They do like a tongue in cheek Ola Dupe campaign. Uh, and uh, they were able to get uh, to, to, go, uh, to go viral, I guess. And uh, they say, Ola Dupe repairs and strengthens just like the original interesting strategy i have to say
1: yeah i think it is an interesting strategy because on one hand they're not wrong they have a patented technology and so in that aspect you can't technically duplicate what they have right you can use items of similar chemistry you can use things that maybe have a similar uh, function on the hair fiber that's for sure so that you can dupe
0: and you can dupe the whole idea of bond building uh, because bond building is just whatever bond. It could be hydrogen bonding, it could be you know ionic bonding. So anybody can dupe the bonding piece.
1: Now that I can agree with because there are a lot of companies who mimic the branding style, the Plex, although arguably the term Plex is not original to them because I worked at a brand.
0: Oh yeah, pseudoplex, of course. There's just one thing I will say about it. It's, the strategy can be a little precarious because this seems to me it's going to just encourage other people to do their own uh, dupes and spoofs on the same brand. I, you get to a point where you know, Olaplex becomes the same as something like Xerox or Liquid Paper or something or Whiteout or whatever, and they could lose their, I don't know, could they lose their branding like that? I don't know.
1: Like Olaplex is the new Band-Aid? All
0: All right. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) So interesting strategy. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we move on to uh, some questions? Kishina. She says, hello, Valerie and Perry. Thank you for this podcast. She wanted to know, was there a transcript available for episode 312? That was the repeat episode I did. Uh, I I was traveling, so I did not get that. But I will put that up for the Patreon patrons uh but she said if not could you remind us of the dry oil that valerie mentioned using for the body do you have a dry oil you like to use for the body
1: well no i don't recall what i said in that episode because i usually have like a favorite oil of the moment but one oil that i really love that feels uber uber dry is milk thistle seed oil
0: all right milk thistle seed oil uh, go get some today,
1: <laughs> and you can get some on simply-ingredients.com. That's my website. Um, oh, I'm just yeah. kidding, uh, but anyway.
0: Wait, you're not you're not kidding. You you can actually get that. So, so that's uh, we we uh, we are uh, shameless plugs of our own stuff is perfectly fine <laughs> on this show. usually
1: plug myself. I just thought it would be funny.
0: <laughs> no, I it's, I'm all for it. All right, speaking of all for it, how about we do some beauty questions?
1: Our first one comes to us from Alexandra, a patron. Hello, I've heard tinted mineral sunscreen can help prevent hyperpigmentation and melasma better than standard sunscreens. Is this proven or is more research pending? If this is proven, would layering a tinted moisturizer and a plain mineral sunscreen have the same effect? I'm trying to avoid buying a new product. Thank you, Alexandra.
0: I wonder where this came from. Uh, I mean, I guess they probably came from some marketer of mineral sunscreens trying to differentiate themselves from from the inorganic or the organic sunscreens. <laughs> or
1: well, chemical sunscreens, believe it or thought. not, Perry, there is some market, uh, not market, there is some literature available where really? they have looked at the different uh, wavelengths that mineral sunscreens versus organic sunscreens uh, play into And they have found that, and we've talked about this on the show before, mineral sunscreens do offer um, a lot of visible light protection. And they have found that it's not actually just like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, it's the iron oxides as well that help us, you know, scatter some of this light and can reduce uh, the effects of hyperpigmentation from the blue light wavelength specifically.
0: Wow, well, I did not know that. Um, so that's interesting. So you're saying that some of hyperpigmentation and melasma is caused by visible light, which is better scattered than by mineral sunscreens than by the uh, the in the organic sunscreens or the chemical sunscreens. Uh, yeah, because those are focused mainly on UVB and UVA rays, whereas things like titanium and zinc oxide. Well, you can see it since they're, uh, they reflect white light. Um, you can actually see that on your skin. That's why that's how hard to blend those things in because uh, at least some of that is uh, reflecting um, visual light. Uh, although, you know, it does absorb light also. Uh, but as far as visual goes, the reason you see it is because it's reflecting off. And so I guess that could prevent the uh, hyperpigmentation better than the standard sunscreens.
1: Yeah, and actually the specific paper that I'm referring to regarding the blue light protection, which is, as you mentioned, part of the visible light spectrum, actually is in relationship to the iron oxides specifically. And then there's another paper on tinted sunscreens and blue light protection, Uh, but this is where iron oxides specifically in conjunction with the zinc oxide uh, help afford some of that additional um, protection. And we can link those papers for everyone if they're interested.
0: Yeah. So uh, as far as the second idea, would layering a tinted moisturizer and a plain mineral sunscreen have the same effect?
1: Well, I think having the tinted moisturizer could be a good idea because of the iron oxides that are present. But I think you would need to couple it with a mineral sunscreen or you could even couple it with any sunscreen you would want to i guess for that matter it's probably better than nothing what do you think perry
0: yeah i think so if uh, you know if the if the tinted moisturizer has iron oxides in it it's going to help uh, help reflect some of that uh, visible light and that'll help to uh, prevent some hyperpigmentation so yeah i could see that uh, that actually working that way Next question comes to us from Nancy. Nancy says, hello, thank you for all the knowledge you share with us. What is your perspective on Blue Land products? They sell the tablets for soap and household cleaners and more, and you mix them at home with your own water. So that's blueland.com. Thank you both, Nancy. Well, I looked at their website, and they really do go for the friendly for the environment angle, and I have to say they they try to uh, really embrace that because they sell products that don't contain water. They're selling tablets, mostly. Yeah, and have you ever
1: actually used any of their products, Perry?
0: I have not. I have not. I've, I've only seen their ingredient lists.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll save you the money. Okay. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, I love the concept. I think a yeah. lot of people love the concept. In fact, there's, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said I want to do a blue land concept, but for personal care, I would have more money than the Powerball, which is currently at <laughs> $999 million or a billionaire because they ran out of wow. spaces or something wow. there like you that. Go. That's an exaggeration. But, yeah. um, you know, the technology is very limited. Uh, the reality is cosmetic products require a lot of water and this is to help make them aesthetically pleasing to help solubilize the other ingredients that you need to use, uh, et cetera. And it's very difficult to just say, well, I'll just exclude the water and stick everything else in because in manufacturing you have heat, you have pressure, you have excellent mechanics from the equipment and you can't just pop everything you've ever used dehydrated back into water and have it be the exact same it has to yeah, be you quick know- dissolving etc
0: you know what this would be like is if okay say you took your shampoo or they, they they don't sell shampoo, they, but they do sell a body wash. So say you take your body wash and you took like a, a spoonful and you just poured it out on your countertop and then you let it all evaporate it out till the water is gone and it's just like a, a gooey mess, right? <laughs> then you take that and just dry it out until it gets so dried out that it's like a powder and then you kind of roll it up into a ball and then you say, okay, here is your body wash and then you try to put that in water and dilute it back out and expect to get the same product you had when you did that's not going to work i mean you could try it you feel free to try that at home but it's not going to work and that's because as the thing you said it's not formulating is not such a simple thing it's certainly not formulating a dry product it's not so simple as you just mix all these powders together and boom you put it in water and you're going to get a thickened product that smells right and that works right. Uh, The order of addition matters when you're making products. Um, And they only use cleansing products, so it's a little... uh, It's not as imperative, Because, uh, but still, the order matters. Uh, The way that ingredients blend together matters. And when you're making a tablet and you have to get it to dissolve well enough to be dispersed you you have to change the formula of that tablet from what it would be as a regular body wash or shampoo because you need to have ingredients there that are going to break up uh when they're solid and they're going to properly break up that solid and that just changes the chemistry of it all
1: yeah i mean are the products fine yeah i'm sure they're fine um you know i've used them i think that you can get better aesthetically pleasing functioning products that are not a dissolvable type aspect Uh, that's just my personal opinion and i know from formulating them how hard they are and uh, how limiting they can be so my personal preference is eh, at the end of the day the amount of water you're consuming um, or throwing away you know while you let your shower warm up or you know there's right. other ways that water could be saved that would be more impactful and two at the end of the day just because there's no water here doesn't mean there wasn't some kind of heat or water or energy used in the production um, of the powder as well now i'm not saying that's specific to blue land but um it may not totally be a waterless uh concept maybe they had to use water to heat up the tanks to produce some of these ingredients and that kind of sure
0: stuff. sure Absolutely. There was one other thing that I found interesting. And uh, their whole one of their spiels is that they are trying to eliminate plastic and re- reduce the amount of plastic in the world, which I think is uh, very laudable, uh, good for them. Very
1: admirable, especially given our earlier it's, conversation.
0: Exactly. But I will add that they're a little bit, I don't know, a little bit misleading here because they sell a bottle. And I looked at the bottle, the picture of the bottle. I'm like, you know, that sure looks like a plastic bottle. <laughs> and so so and their idea is that you have a, a bottle that lasts forever and then you're supposed to refill it and, you know, get the tablets again, refill it and use it over and over. Okay. But that bottle is made out of plastic. Now, the misleading part to me is you say, I I looked, what's what's the bottle made out of? They said that their bottle is made out of Titan. mm so nowhere do they ever say it. it's plastic. But then I say, oh, oh, Titan, Titan. What is Titan? Well, Titan is plastic. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just BPA-free plastic. So yeah, okay, you're making, you're selling plastic bottles still. So, you know, I, But
1: doesn't Titan sound better. A little more misleading, <laughs> but it sounds pretty cool.
0: It does sound cool. Well, good luck to them. And I, you know, I, I'm. I'm sure the products are fine. I think aesthetically, they're not going to be as good as something you'd go to the store and buy. Yeah. But you could you can get used to anything. I mean, they're using diced sodium cocoa glutamate, and they're using sodium cocoa isothionate. I just don't see that these products are going to take over the world, but they might take over a tiny portion of the market.
1: They're going to take over a bathroom, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They will. Hey, we got another question from someone on Patreon. Yeah, if you want to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. Patrons get a higher priority to get their questions answered and they also get a transcript of the show. All right, this one comes to us from Amy. What what does Amy want to know?
1: Amy says... I've been seeing a lot of ads about One Skin. They state they have a proprietary peptide in their products that actually works. The products are a little pricey, so before I invest, could their claims be true?
0: Could their claims be true? Well, their claims are One Skin. What's their What's their main claim? You know,
1: it's interesting, Perry. I actually had another person ask me about this very recently. So really? They must be pushing the ads hard. I don't know how this other person found out about One Skin. Uh, But they asked me about it. And now this other person is saying they're getting ads. Uh, Have you looked into their uh, special OS-01 peptide?
0: I haven't looked into specifically their peptides, but I have looked into peptides in general. And, you know, I'm, uh, uh, (laughs) you know, there's a theory there. But as far as effectiveness and finding anything, I think you'd be hard pressed to find effects of peptides uh, when delivered from a moisturizing product because the effects you're getting from the moisturization of your skin is going to overwhelm anything you might notice from the peptide. That's just my opinion. This is the
1: only peptide scientifically proven to reverse skin aging at the molecular level. Ah, well. It switches off senescent cells associated with aging to help skin behave like its younger self.
0: Ah, well, if it's, I would say if it's interacting with the biochemistry like that, then that makes it an illegal product. <laughs> be it a boosts
1: <laughs> markers of healthy skin cell function, including collagen and hyaluronic acid biosynthesis.
0: Okay. Markers. And
1: supports activation of cellular repair pathways. Hmm. Okay.
0: It it sounds like the same kind of stuff that everybody else who has peptides is saying, does not it?
1: It uh, doesn't sound very unique to me, if you ask right. me. It seems right. very, very, very common. And you may be interested to know the three active ingredients that support their peptide to mitigate visible signs of aging. Uh, and this was from their eye product, so it's around the eyes. Sure. Moringa seed extract.
0: Okay. An algae-derived
1: extract and okay. biomimetic vegan
0: collagen. Huh. So collagen. If the peptide
1: worked, why do they need all these items?
0: This is a very, this is a very good question. Why would you put all that other stuff in there if your peptide was so amazing? Why? Um, well, I mean, one reason is maybe the peptide is not noticeably making any difference, and you need these other ingredients to have that immediate effect. That that'd just be my guess. Also,
1: it's more fun to have like sexy nature derived ingredients to talk about versus synthetic peptide.
0: Sure. Synthetic synthetic peptide could be a hard sell to the natural enthusiast uh products. But so as far as the as far as the products go, I'm sure the products are perfectly fine, moisturizers or whatever, right? Don't you think?
1: End quote, they're per- I'm sure they're perfectly fine, classic. Um, yeah, I'm sure these <laughs> products are really nice. You know, when I'm looking at the textures, uh, you know, the textures look really nice. Um, you know, I don't know if necessarily I would, uh, you know, get the eye cream um, or anything like that. I don't know what a topical supplement is um, that they have. It looks to be like a thin moisturizer, really nice texture. I probably would try, I'd be willing to try the SPF the SPF
0: looks I mean, nice. Sure. I mean they get their face topical supplement. I've looked at the ingredients. We got glycerin, we got sorbitan oleate, cetearyl oleate, squalane, uh, you know.
1: Well, it's a lamellar <laughs> emulsion, so it does have good delivery of actives. Lamellar emulsions aren't known for that.
0: Hyaluronic acid, niacinamide, I mean, you got everything in here. Why, why, why do you need this? And you'd still need the peptide. Like, come on.
1: And I yeah. would say uh, the, the body one is probably, you know, it's 99 bucks. And uh, it looks to be similar ingredient list to the face uh, topical supplement. Yeah. But just for your body, bigger container. Uh, I think you could get a lot of great stuff from just a lotion.
0: Yeah. Uh, there is one other thing I noticed on this uh, this their their business model. They have a subscription. Um, oh, which uh, they have they have two options. One is the subscription, and then the, where there's a one one-time purchase. Um, I I find subscription models a bit dubious in the uh, beauty industry. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, it's a good upselling technique.
0: You mean it. it's a uh, a good technique for keep people to buy stuff that they they don't want anymore, and they overbuy stuff. So, but yeah, uh, so I'm always forget weary. to
1: cancel. I hate when that happens.
0: Right, right, exactly. But do, you, do you, if a product is so good, do you need a subscription to it to make you go get it again? I don't, I don't. Know. Yeah. But I might be in the minority on that one. Maybe some people like subscriptions for beauty products.
1: Well, I, you know, I think if it's something you know you use, you know you love, you know you're on repeat, it is super convenient. Um, but the reality is, most people, I don't think, go through the same product consistently. So then you right. maybe end up with a couple. Uh, you know, I. It's hard for me to say, but if there's probably a couple things I'd buy on subscription.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I pretty much wouldn't. But then I'm I don't take beauty. UV- <laughs> Don't take beauty product advice from me. Do not take <laughs> advice from Perry. Any- well, the the beauty product using advice, you can take my knowledge of it, here. <laughs> but as, just to get right back to Amy, she said, could their claims be true? I, I think their claims are true. I just didn't see anything impressive about their claims that you couldn't find in some other better priced products.
1: I agree. Well, we have time for one more question. Sean from Patreon
0: hey Sean thanks for joining
1: I I know I know the name Sean I think Sean's a, a supporter of my ingredient company oh nice yeah Sean says hi beauty brains I'm a big fan of your show after listening to you I've become more of a skeptic and cynic which I love because I'm also a cynic that was me Yeah, was I, like, I don't
0: I thats don't, I don't, sure I want to create cynics of the world but skeptics <laughs> yeah
1: I don't mind okay back to Sean quoting her I have a question. At what point do the myriad of additional ingredients in a beauty product just amount to nonsense? My understanding is that typically the first five ingredients listed constitute approximately 90 to 95% of the product. So why do manufacturers continue to add a plethora of other components? Is it merely to affect the product's sensory attributes like spreadability and feel? Additionally, I recently came across a product that seemed incredibly simplistic, yet had a hefty price tag. I was floored. Could you provide some insight into why such simplistic formulations might be sold at premium prices? (laughs) Dr. Sturm, (laughs) super anti-aging eye cream, (laughs) $210. Whoa. Thanks, um, (laughs) John.
0: Whoa. Wow, she's she's got a lot of questions here, a lot to unpack, but I'm happy to do it. So first of all, let's get to that first question. Um typically the first five ingredients listed uh make up 90 to 95% of the product. Uh, I think that's probably true.
1: Right. I would say like 85 to 99.
0: Depends on the product. I when I worked on VO5 conditioner, uh the first ingredient made up about 90% of it. <laughs> and and that was water (laughs) and then we had we had like three percent of conditioning in there and two percent of fatty alcohols and there is there is your 95 so those are the first three ingredients
1: on the contrary I just did a shampoo today where you know uh, the first four or five ingredients only added up to about 80 percent then I had to put a bunch of other stuff in there right so it depends
0: yeah, it, it does depend, but yeah, a big percentage is made up of those first. So uh, then do manufacturers add the rest of the ingredients? So why do they add the rest of the ingredients? And some of it, you're right. They We do add it to uh, affect sensory attributes, to affect uh, spreadability and feel. I also, Well, yeah, instead uh,
1: of talking about those little ingredients that are added after that, let's talk about... Um, just in general, like the bottom 5%. You know, if you start from the bottom, like people like to start from the top of an ingredient list. I actually like to start from the bottom because that's typically where you have your incidentals, your allergens, your remedial adjusters, like citric acid, sodium hydroxide, triethanolamine. You have your viscosity modifiers like sodium chloride or sodium citrate. Uh, Then you might get into the preservative uh, which typically is at the one percent or less line um, depending on the preservative. some Some of them, especially the more modern ones, you're required a two percent use level or something like that, or sometimes even four depending on what it is. So I start at the bottom and kind of yeah. eliminate the fluff.
0: I will add that i I think in the EU, their labeling requirements are that the last ingredients have to be the colorants. Color additives are usually the first last ingredient, <laughs> but coinc- coincidentally, color additives are, uh, except for color cosmetics, but even regular personal care, or standard products, um, body washes, lotions, shampoos, and such, the color is certainly going to be the least amount of volume in there. Because, you know, for color, you're adding, what, 0.0002%? Very little.
1: Gets dark yeah. very fast. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: does. Yeah. One time I was carrying a box of uh, powdered dye that, you know, we use a pinch to go into like 3,000 gallons of shampoo. Dropped the box, got it all over my clothes. I, I, I never got the blue color out of that. my khaki pants. <laughs> I know Even
1: just opening the lid, you will find blue everywhere for days. It's horrible. For sure.
0: The color it's usually the last, first ingredient, first, last ingredient.
1: Yeah. So I would say for the most part, the really, really bottom things in an ingredient list are the functionals, the things that you're legally required to disclose. Right. Somewhere right. in between the top five and those is where you do get some for spreadability and feel, but sometimes also for marketing.
0: Right. Well, often for marketing, when you see a really long list, uh, those things are in there for marketing. For sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, and the marketing is the ingredients are put in there because here's the reality: people buy products when there's more ingredients listed than when there's less. You know, <laughs> you know, people say they don't want a lot of ingredients, but when you look at what do they buy, they're buying ones that have all of these ingredients in them. So that's why marketers keep putting them in there because marketers need something to talk about with their products. They, You know, everybody knows it's the first five ingredients that make the product have the, the functional benefit or the way that it feels, uh, but... That's not why people buy them. No, like, nobody wants to buy this product because it has glycerin in it. Like Everybody has glycerin in their product. So you need other ingredients, we call these claims ingredients, uh, for the marketing people to hang a story on and get you to buy it.
1: Exactly. She does note that she has come across some simplistic, expensive products. Why would such a simplistic formulation be sold at a premium price?
0: Oh, there's a, there's a simple answer to that. I think there's one simple answer. But go ahead. What's your cover?
1: I already know it. You go
0: first. All right. My one simple answer is because people buy it.
1: <laughs> the marketing commands it.
0: Though I mean if you, it's it. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of the handbag market. I look at like handbags, like what a Louis Vuitton. It's it's a handbag. But why, why is somebody buying... Harry, there's a uh,
1: difference between a Louis Vuitton and a Moss a bag might from get, Target.
0: Um, might you get a Target, right? What? No, I mean, huge functionally. Huge difference. Functionally, they're the same, right? You you open the bag, you put your stuff functionally in you
1: Functionally, a 10-cent bag from Target's the same.
0: Exactly. Functionally, right. So, and then when you're using beauty products, you go for function. You don't go for what does it look like, do you? Okay, so...
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I know. Well, I I think there could be a couple other explanations. When you see, every formula adds up to a 100%. So in my mind, I'm a simplistic formulator. I like to use as few ingredients as possible. And the ones that I do use, I like to use at meaningful levels, things where you actually notice what they're imparting to the formula, versus putting... 50 things in at swizzle dust because you only get 100%, right? So if I had two actives present, assuming the actives had some efficacy, you can use a lot more of that in a formula that only had a, you know, a couple of those in it to add some pizzazz versus a formula that has 50 things in it because you still have that 100% to work out of. So for me, it could be explained by the simple formulation has efficacious levels yeah, high quality, expensive ingredients, like for example, ceramides, very, very yeah. expensive peptides. Like a very, thousand very dollars. Expensive.
0: Yeah, thousand uh, dollars, you know, a pound or whatever, like it's a huge amount compared to like 50 cents a pound for some of your surfactants.
1: You know, uh, for example, peptides can be a couple thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars. a pound. Yeah, it's very easy. And you're right. using them at small levels, but they do impart a lot of price. Even something like hyaluronic acid, that's actually a really expensive ingredient. It seems yeah. so ubiquitous, but it actually is is not cheap.
0: Just before we move on, you used the term swizzle dust?
1: Swizzle dust, that's what we called it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, but, my previous company, we called it swizzle dust, fairy dust. Fairy
0: dust, I used to, fairy dust, uh, I, I used to call it woofle dust. Uh, <laughs> <that's>,
1: uh- <laughs> basically, the common factor is dust
0: it does seem like the pixie desk or <laughs> yeah exactly it does
1: now but let's be real um the reality is most ban- brands are probably charging a premium because they either don't have a good cost of a uh, strong cost of goods that makes them profitable or uh, they just can because they're uh, positioned to be a more premium brand and yeah, uh, their the product branding, might man. cost you know the same as you know uh mainstream brand like Clinique or something like that.
0: I will add that there is there is a cost differential when you're a smaller company and you, you could make the same product as a big company. The big company could make it for a lot less money than you. I remember I, I went through the process of launching a shampoo brand, and when I worked at the big company, I could have made the same formula for, you know, 50 cents a bottle. Mm -hmm. But on my own, getting a contract manufacturer, I couldn't make a bottle for less than $4 a bottle, Mm -hmm. uh, even though it was exactly the same. And so there is this economies of scale and there is a difference between big companies and small companies what they charge. So from that aspect, that's one of the uh, reasons for a difference in price. Now, that's not a difference in price of, say, a $20 uh, eye cream versus a $200 eye cream. (laughs) There certainly has very little to do with formulating, but that can have some impact on it.
1: As an aside, going back to the Dr. Barbara Sturm Super Anti-Aging Eye Cream, I think the 95% rule stops
0: after the eighth ingredient. Oh, the eighth ingredient, yeah. Yeah, her products
1: are actually pretty high solids. They're pretty high solids. Ah, Yeah,
0: I see, but it has that... uh, uh, lactobacillus ferment extract preservative in it. So yeah, there you go.
1: That's actually a really nice uh ing- that one's not a preservative. That's a really nice. Oh,
0: isn't one. it? Oh, gotcha Thinking oh. of
1: the Lucanostock radish root ferment filtrate.
0: You are, yeah, actually that's down a little bit the lower. Other the other ferment. Yeah. yeah. The other ferments.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love ferments. Don't even get me started. And actually we can't get me started because that's the music. That's all the time we have that's for right. today.
0: <laughs> Yes, this this episode is certainly fermenting now. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening.
1: If you get a chance, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer.
0: And if you have a question, just record it on your smartphone and email it to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com and you get your voice on the show.
1: And if you're a patron, on Patreon. We're going to prioritize your questions and maybe you'll be on our next all patron Patreon episode.
0: That's right. And you can get a copy of the transcript. So just go to patreon.com slash the beauty brains and subscribe.
1: Don't forget to follow us on our various inactive social media accounts on Instagram. <laughs> we're at the beauty brains 2018 on Twitter. We're at the beauty brains. We have a Facebook page and hopefully never a TikTok, although we do have the domain name.
0: We do have it, and someday I might be inspired to do it.
1: Well, thanks again for listening, everyone, and remember be brainy about your beauty.
0: Thanks, everyone. Now I gotta go take some cats out of a trap. Kittens!